0: Hello, everyone. My name is Avedo and this is my channel, Face to Fear God. This is where we learn about God, His beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and their Kingdom Purpose, the three most important subjects that we can ever learn, talk, or discuss in the entire Holy Bible, according to John chapter 17, verse 3. Today, we're going to be learning about a very interesting topic, Should Christians Chase Cash? And today, I'm going to be inviting my brother to tell us a little more about that. But before that, I once again have a tune that some of us might enjoy. and I'll be inviting my brother to tell us a
1: little more about that. It is very common knowledge that money can lead to greed, and every Christian knows that Christianity is against greed. But, while it, while it may seem that there is an obvious connection between Christianity and money, in reality, the correlation is a lot different from what you might think. Really, there can't be a direct correlation between Christianity and money, that money is bad and that Christianity is against money, because God has given riches to a lot of his people. For example, Abraham and Lot in Genesis chapter 13 verses 2 to 6 were so rich that they couldn't even live together. After some quarrels with their shepherds, they decided to leave in verses 7 to 12. Lot went to Sodom and Gomorrah, while Abraham went to Canaan. Joseph, too, was rich, according to Genesis chapter 45, verse 8, being uh, one of the rulers of Egypt. He was in control of the food supply. Of course, he'd be rich. There was also Ruth's husband, Boaz, who was rich. According to Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. And Job was so rich that he had 11,000 animals in his possession, according to Job chapter 1, and 22,000 animals, according to Job chapter 42. And of course, as I said before, rulers can be rich. They can collect taxes and they can just build themselves up with the money of the people. So, of course, there were kings of Judah, righteous kings of Judah, who were rich, like David, and Jehoshaphat, and Hezekiah, and, of course, King Solomon. He didn't even want wealth, or he didn't even wish for wealth, but he still got it anyway, because God was pleased with him for asking for wisdom, according to 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 5 to 14. Now, these are all the examples of people Who got riches? These are examples that show that God gives riches to righteous people. I haven't even gotten to the examples that tell us that God gives riches to righteous people. Like, for example, riches are described as gifts of God or and blessings of God, according to verses like Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 19, which reads, Every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth, and hath given him power to eat thereof, and to take his portion, and to rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. And verses like Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, which reads, The blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and it bringeth no sorrow. Then we can also look at Psalms chapter 112, verses 1 to 3. They describe uh, a worshiper of God. And the kinds of things he will get, and money is one of those things. And of course, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 8 shows God's generosity quite well. It reads, He raiseth up the poor out of the dust, and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill, and set them among princes, and maketh them inherit the throne of glory. For the riches of for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he hath set the world upon them. Is this the kind of God? Who would deprive people of riches? Plus, it is not just people who get riches from God. God also gets riches from people because God's children, humans, have been giving God sacrifices since the days of Cain and Abel, according to Genesis chapter four, verses one to five. Abraham too gave some of his wealth to God. According to Genesis chapter 14, verses 17 to 20, when after a war that he'd been involved in with several kings, Abraham took some of the war booty that he had obtained and he gave it to King Melchizedek, king of Salem and priest of the high God. He gave a tenth of everything he had gotten to Melchizedek. After this, the practice of sacrifices was codified into Israelite law in Leviticus chapter, chapters one to seven, which outlined what the Israelites could give, what they couldn't give, and how they were to give it. And after this, the practice continued for centuries up to Jesus's time, when in Luke chapter twenty-one verses one to four, he praised a widow for giving the little money she had to the church now this would make everything seem obvious that okay christians can chase cash because god is not against cash but it's still a bit more complicated than that for example we can read verses like matthew mark chapter 10 verse 25 which reads it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God." We can't just interpret this as some catch-all verse that says, okay, all rich people are going to have a hard time entering into the kingdom of God, because there were rich people who worshipped God, as I said before. But we have to look at verse 24 to clarify things, because in that verse, Jesus said, "'Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God?" It is people who trust in riches, people who love money, who will have a hard time entering into the kingdom of God because that love of money can introduce pride, according to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 11, which reads, "...the rich man's wealth is his strong city, and has a high wall in his own conceit." A high wall, a strong city, is something that's supposed to protect the people that are behind it or surrounded by it. So that's how a rich person feels about their money. They think God can't stop me. The law can't stop me. And it is that attitude that can lead to people doing some ungodly things. Like, for example, the the rich man described by Nathan in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 1-4, to when a traveller ended up on his doorstep the rich man could have spent some of his riches. It wouldn't have been too hard to provide this man food, but instead, he took a possession from a man who barely had anything to give. Now, naturally, the Bible does not approve of the kinds of people who would do this, the kinds of people who would love money. For example, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 9 and 10 go all into that talking about temptations the love like the trust in riches is very tempting it makes you want to do all kinds of things spend your money unwisely try to gain money unwisely through crime or just through illicit methods that god would not approve of it's just temptation everywhere and of course there's that famous quote in verse 10 for the love of money is the root of all evil it it really is so many crimes have been committed in this world for money, and even the crimes that were committed for power, like genocide, they still had money involved because when you have power, you have money. Nobody wants to have power if they can't have money, if they can't succeed in this world. That is why the love of money can cause so much evil, because it's so powerful the love of money drives a lot of evil, and that's why it is important that we keep it in check. We keep it away because the love of money can convince us to do things that we might not even think God won't approve of. Like, oh, I don't I, money laundering. I don't see any money laundering in the Bible. But no, if something is against the law in the jurisdiction that we live in, as long as it doesn't. Disagree with God's rules, then we have to obey that law. As Romans chapter 13, verse 1 says, we have to respect the higher authorities because the higher authorities were put to rule us there by God. It isn't just 1st Timothy chapter 6 that gives us some advice on riches, though. Job 2 talked about the love of money in Job chapter 31 verses 24 and 28. In those verses, Job said that he didn't want to have the love of money. He wanted to be punished for having the love of money. This was a rich man, Renar. This was a rich man saying that he didn't want to love his possessions. Why? Because it would harm his faith, and Agur, the son of Jacket, shared a similar opinion in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 and 9. He said that he didn't even want to be rich because he was worried that he would end up getting the love of money as a result of his riches, and these two opinions are summed up in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Another big quote, you cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve two masters. If you love money, you will eventually see god as someone you don't really need to obey because your money can just do anything he would do for you or just see someone or just see god as someone that will get you more money but if you worship god you'll start to see money as more of a tool to survive in this world because of course you can't survive in this world without money so you only see money as a tool to survive and You'll see God as the solution rather than your money. It is important to note, though, that it isn't just individuals who can benefit from this advice. Because churches, too, a lot of churches have become rich in this world. And as Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 to 8, goes into uh, churches feeding on their flocks. These churches just collect a, a, lots of money and money, keep taking money, enough to buy private jets, which a church shouldn't even have the money to do. They should just be preaching, but tights have become so big now that churches can just scoop up millions, and it doesn't go back to the flock. It doesn't go back to helping widows like, they, like, they, like the original churches would do. It doesn't go back to uh, studying the Word, hiring more pastors, uh, spreading the Word. All it does is, all that money just goes into pastors' pockets. And we don't even need to look to today. It is a big part, but this, these churches have been talked about since the days of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus kept telling the Pharisees, What are you doing? In verses 13 to 22, Jesus was saying, It's useless to uh, swear to the gold in the temple instead of to just the temple, or to swear to the gift on an altar instead of the altar because it is the altar that makes the gift holy, and it is the temple that makes the gold holy. That is what churches today are doing. They aren't willing to have the truth be holy, they're willing to have the money be holy, the land that they're worshipping on be holy, the building that they're worshipping be holy. They care about property and possessions, but not about the Word. And then, in verse 23, Jesus told the Pharisees that they could uh, be really good when it comes to money, calculating every cent, making sure that people gave what they were supposed to give, but then they didn't even care about judgment, love, mercy, big doctrines of Christianity, again, connected to this world. Churches are preaching lies to people instead of preaching the truth, and yet they're collecting more money than actual true churches would. So, in the end, that money is useless. It's not going to feeding the flock. And if we take the church knowledge to the rest of the world, we can see that organizations, too, like charities, can sometimes get swept up in the love of money. Families can get ruined by the love of money. Divorce can drive can be driven by money, because a wife wants a bigger check than she's getting, or even vice versa, as well as how money can change your faith, because you might just want to work more, to get more money, and then your children are in daycare, and they don't even have time to learn about God anymore. The love of money is really against faith. It can really halt The spread of faith in somebody's life and somebody's family. And the sad thing about all this, it's all vanity. Money can disappear so fast, according to verses like Proverbs chapter 27, verse 24, and Proverbs chapter 23, verse 5. It flies away like eagle's wings. with a stock market collapse or with a business fail, all your hard work and getting that money can go. And I haven't even talked about death. Because no matter how much money you have, if someone has a terminal disease, you can't bring them back. No the most skilled doctors, if if a doctor costed a billion dollars to see, he wouldn't be able to help you. Because money cannot solve everything, according to verses like Psalms chapter 49, verses six and seven. Because there are just some things that only God can do. Only God is in control of over the dead. There's nothing you can do about that. And when you die, well, everything you've spent so hard working on will just evaporate. Take the rich man in Luke chapter 12, verses 15-22. to He said, I'm having so many crops. I'm going to build barns to store those crops. Then I can sell it to people and make more money and more money and more money. But then God said, you're going to die tomorrow. Where are your barns? Where are your crops? Where are your profits? They're all gone. So we have to learn from this rich man and realize that money isn't everything. Money is vanity. That's what King Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. From verse 18, we can start to see, look, if you make money, eventually you're going to die, because everyone dies, and then your money it could end up in your son's hands or your daughter's hands, or if you don't have any children, it might end up in the government's hands, and due to the fundamental nature of the economy, people spend stuff, money changes hands, your money will end up in the hands of someone who never worked for it at all. People who never did a cent to earn all that money that you spent, all the money that you spent hours, days, months, weeks, years working on, it will end up in maybe even a fool's hands, but the point is, you have no control over where it goes, and isn't that one of the biggest vanities of this world? However, there are solutions to this. There are solutions to the vanity of money, and one of those solutions is found in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. If we are struggling with the love of money, if we are struggling with the vanity of money, we should just say that God is in control of what profits we make. God is in control of all the money we have, so we should think of God as being over our money, and therefore worship Him, instead of worshipping our money. And we should use our money wisely, because our money can go to helping our children's future, helping our spiritual future, instead of it just ending up in our pockets and benefiting us in the short in the short term. So, we should use our money wisely and most importantly, we should be looking for spiritual riches. The word of God, salvation, eternal life, because God's riches are much better than anything that the world can can provide. According to verses like Matthew chapter 6 verses 17 to 19, where your treasures are, because physical treasures, people can steal them. They, they can be eaten up, not by moths, possibly, as the verse says, but again, by a stock market crash. All your money has gone, but spiritual riches? Nothing can take them away from you, because God is in control of spiritual riches, and He's not going to let anybody Take your spiritual riches away from you if you desire them. In conclusion, it is important for us to realize that Christians shouldn't chase cash, but instead they should look to God, because as Proverbs chapter 11 verse 4 says, "Riches just go away after a while, but God's promise will last forever." And that is the end of my sermon on should Christians. Chase cash. Thank you for listening.
0: So, everybody, that's why Christians should not chase cash. Instead of chasing cash, we should be chasing God and the wisdom of God itself. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God to give it to him liberally, and he not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask him in faith, nothing wavering, as James had stated in James chapter one and verses five and six. We should never make a habit of trying to go after money, because God owns money, whether we like it or not, and He gives it to those people who do what He wants you to do. We're going into Matthew chapter six, verse thirty-three. For the Lord is a sun and shield; the Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly, as David the psalmist had stated in Psalm chapter eighty-four, verse eleven. It is therefore very important that we as Christians should not chase cash, but rather chase God. And the covenant that he has set up for those who love and keep his commandments, according to Jeremiah chapter 31, from verses 31 to 34, and many other places all over the Bible. To conclude this episode, I once again have a tune that many of us might enjoy. Hope you enjoyed this video, hope you learned something most in- importantly, because cash is a very important thing in this world, but instead of chasing that, we should rather earn money but go ahead and chase God. Thank you.
1: Oh, one more thing, if you like what you heard today, feel free to share a message at https colon double slash anchor slash it pays to fear God slash message. Once again, that's https colon double slash anchor dot fm slash it pays to fear God slash message. Hope to hear your wonderful feedback.